Well, today we've been in a series, and this is the final week of a four-week series called The Family Portrait. And as you know, we've kind of given you pictures of different families, and you know, the idea has simply been this, that sometimes we look at people's Christmas card picture, or we follow someone on Instagram, and we see all these amazing things, these amazing photos, and we end up comparing our lives to them not realizing that we're seeing their highlight reel and not all the things that have been left on the cutting room floor. So the comparison isn't fair, it's not real. Because how many know in life we have highs and lows? How many know in life that we have good times and we have bad times? How many know in our families sometimes we got some dysfunction? If you say amen to that, if you got a little in your family. So what we've been doing is we've been looking at families in the Bible. And the beautiful thing about the stories of the Bible is the Bible doesn't Make it a, you know, a photograph where there's a filter and there's Photoshop and all the blemishes have been removed. It, it shows us the real and the raw. And we've looked at several families and we're going to end this series this week with the family portrait. Let's go to our theme verse. For those of you joining us online, we are so happy. In fact, can we welcome people in Latvia, Los Angeles, Pittsburgh, Phoenix. Can you welcome your church family that's joining us online today? We're so glad you're with us. Why don't you stand? Let's all stand together as we go to Psalm 127, verse 1. Guys, let's start that clock back there so I know what time it is and can keep track. I'd appreciate it. All right, Psalm 127, verse 1 simply says this, and let's all read it together out loud. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. You see, we learned that the word build in the Hebrew that it means to build or to make, but here's the good news. It also means to remake. And a lot of us, we have kids already that are grown or maybe they're a little bit older and we have the house already in construction mode and we're kind of thinking, well, it's too late for me. Here's the beautiful thing. Not only can God build a house, He can remodel it, He can remake it, He can rebuild it, and He can make it strong. How many would say amen to that promise? So let's close our eyes. Those of you joining us online, why don't you do the same? Holy Spirit, we invite you and we welcome you to have your way in this place. Fill our hearts with a sense of your presence. Soften our hearts, open our minds, make our ears ready to receive your truth today. Because when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. And so today, speak to us. Give us your truth. Let us walk out of this room, turn off this computer, knowing we have heard your voice and that you've helped us to become the family you've destined us to be. If you would agree with that prayer, would somebody say amen? Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. You know, the other verse that we've been looking at is the verse we find in Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 3 says, through wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established. In other words, a house can be established through understanding and wisdom. The word established in the Hebrew, here's what it means. It means to stand tall or erect and to stabilize. How many would like to say, I would like to have my home a little more stable and I'd like to reach my potential? How many would say amen to that? Well, that's what this series has been about. But the way that's going to happen, the scripture says, is through understanding. And the Hebrew word for understanding there, it means wisdom, but it also means to distinguish intellectually. In other words, if you were to bring something home from Ikea, 
and decide to build it. And I know I've used this example for a few weeks, but I'm catching everybody up. If you're smart, you won't pull the stuff out of the box and just start putting it together. If you're smart, you will take the instructions and you will read them. You'll pull out all of the pieces, right? And you'll line them up and you'll count them to make sure you're not missing any screws or bolts or dowels or whatever so that you don't get into the building process and realize something is missing or something's off or something's out of order. So the reality is that when the scripture says that our houses will be established, it's when they are established because we've distinguished intellectually. We've not just through our mind, but we've taken God's wisdom and God's truth and we've put those pieces together so that we can build our homes and they can be strong, they can be um, able to reach their potential and they can be stable. So today we're going to dive into another part of the story. And as you know, we've gone through four different families. And in week one, I had my son Tanner preach with me. Week two, Macy preached with me. Last week, uh, my son Hudson did the connection card. And this week, Haley is here to preach with me. And I'm excited that she's joining me this morning. In week one, we learned, and let me just say, we're not the perfect family. We've got dysfunction and we've got challenges just like you do. But we're going to take these principles and grow and let God make us strong. Week one, Abraham and Sarah, we learned some things in that series. Week two, we looked at Isaac and Rebecca, and we saw some dysfunction going on. Last week, we talked about Jacob and his sister wives, Leah and Rachel, and all the dysfunction that was going on. This week now, we're going to finish with the sons of Leah and Rachel of Jacob. And we saw this dysfunction going on in that couple, right? The wives were wanting to sleep with Jacob, and they were in competition with each other. We're going to pick up on the story now with the sons of Leah, Rachel, and their two servants, Zilpah and Bilhah. We're going to read in Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37 verse 3 says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. So one day, Jacob had made a special gift, or had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph. Why? Because their father showed favorites, loved him more than the rest of them. Anybody feel like we've already told this story about favoritism? I mean, just a few weeks ago, we we learned that, right? About Isaac and Rebekah and their son Jacob and Esau. And we saw the favoritism going on. We're seeing it repeated here. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. His brothers were jealous of Joseph. Now, let me pause the story. They go out into the field taking care of the flocks, and Joseph is sent out by his father to check on them. As he's coming, here's what they say. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns or wells or pits. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Then the brothers killed a young goat, so they threw him in the cistern. They threw him in the well. The brothers um, killed a young goat, dipped Joseph's robe in blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it's my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. And we know what happened is they didn't really kill him. They put him in a well and then they sold him to some, 
to some people that were on their way to Egypt, and he went into slavery in Egypt. And if you know the story of Joseph, many years later, after going through many trials, being put in prison, being falsely accused, he eventually becomes second in command in Egypt. He interprets the dream of Pharaoh, and he saves the world from famine. His brothers come to Egypt not knowing it's him, and it's, it's an interesting and a, it's an amazing story. But as I read through this passage, I discovered some things. I discovered some filters. Remember, we were talking about how in pictures, we use Photoshop and filters to make ourselves look better. And in the family, what we do is we buy into the culture of today and we put filters, we put things into our lives that we think are going to help us, but ultimately they end up destroying and bringing pain. When I read through this story, here's some things I saw. Number one, you can see favoritism. Didn't we see that a few weeks ago in the trials that came because of showing favoritism to one and not another? We know the Bible says not to do that. We also see not only favoritism, we see hatred develop. Because of the favoritism, where the brothers began to hate their brother Joseph. And then we also see jealousy. Jealousy arises. Last week we learned about jealousy, right? The, the hashtag last week was, I still get jealous. That was last week, remember? Little Nick Jonas came on me, all right? And so we learned how the challenges of jealousy. And then the last thing we see is deception. We saw that. In one story, Esau and Jacob is deceiving his father, Isaac. And what's interesting now is we look at all of these sons, these 12 sons of Jacob and his wives, and we see the pattern of everything that was in Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and his wives now are right here in the middle of his children. And if we're not careful when we see this story, because we see it happening with the children, you and I will put a filter on our lives, and here's the filter, the filter that God doesn't want us to have, and that is this. Here's the mentality. Write this down. Hashtag, chip off the old block. I was going to do a shout out to Pastor Chip, but he's not here at this service. Chip off, take a look, chip off the old block. Now, you say, Pastor Jerry, what does that mean? What's that principle for us? The principle is simply this, is that we kind of buy into this mentality. Well, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so because of that, Pastor Jared, I'm in a family. My parents were that way. I'm that way too. My dad acts like that. That's how I act. I'm Irish. Irish people get angry. I'm going to be angry. And what we do, listen, is we buy into a thing called genetic determinism. And what we say is simply this. It's really in my genes. I can't help it. There's nothing I can do. Pastor Jared, I struggle with gossip because my parents were always gossipers. Pastor Jared, I'm a person who's always afraid and, and, and unable to take any risks because that's my family and that's the way we are. And so we buy into genetic determinism and we think that we have to be what everyone else was in our lineage before us and we say well I'm just a chip off the old block that's the way it's going to be but if that's the case then there's no difference between you and an animal because animals react but how many know humans can respond and we begin to say in our hearts well someone or something has taken away my ability to respond can I give you some good news today? You don't have to be what your parents were. 
You don't have to live like your genealogy says you live. God has a better thing for you. Come on, somebody say amen. In fact, let's take a look at some scriptures real quick. Let's dive in. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I want to show you. It says this. What's his first word? Does that include you? Does that include your kids? Anyone, right? Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new what? Person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. We're new. When we belong to Christ, we've been made new. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16 says, The spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You now are a child of God. Now look what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, and also verse 9. It says, and because you belong to him, because you're a child of God, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin. You are not controlled by your sinful nature Let me say that again. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. Let me say that again. You are not a chip off the old buck. The apple falls far or not far from the tree. You're going to be just like your parents were. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit. If you have the spirit of God living in you. You see, the good news is simply this. Now, what I love about that is it says you're not controlled by the sinful nature. The word there, sinful nature, is a Greek word, and here's what it means. It means flesh of an animal or the the natural realm of the flesh. Another translation says it this way. It says that when you have the Spirit of God in you, you're not living in the realm of the Spirit. Here's the point I'm trying to make. It's simply this. When the devil jumps on your shoulder and tells you, you have to do that, or you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to struggle with lust, or you're going to struggle with fear, or you're not going to be a good steward, and you're going to spend because you're a spender. That's the way your family is. When the devil jumps on your shoulder and tells you, you have to live that way, here's the thing you need to understand, is you have to look at him in the face and say, hey, you're talking to the wrong person because I'm not that person. I'm a new person. And he'll say, well, wait a minute, you know, your father was that way. Here's what you say. I know my father was that way, but guess what? I got adopted and I got a new father. And my new father has given me a new spirit, a new flesh, something new that the spirit of God now can transform me where I don't have to live like that anymore. You see, the spirit that's within you allows you to have what I call a response mentality rather than a react mentality. You see, because of the Holy Spirit that's in you, you don't have to live like Joseph and his brothers. You don't have to live jealous. You don't have to hate. You don't have to do all of that stuff. You can change the destiny in the future because the Holy Spirit helps you and I to have a thing called responsibility. Now, as a a follower of Christ, we learn what responsibility is. And you know what responsibility is? It's the ability to what? Respond. A react mentality says, I can't work out, I'm too tired. A respond mentality says, I'm choosing to get up and get going. A react mentality says, I'll never be able to forgive. You don't know how much they've hurt me. But a response mentality says, I choose to forgive because I've been forgiven. 
A react mentality says, you know what? I don't have time to serve in the church. I'm too busy making a living. But a respond mentality says, I'm going to choose to find some time to honor God with my gifts and talents. A react mentality says, you know what? I'm always going to be in debt. I'm always going to struggle because I'm a spender. I'm not a saver. But a respond mentality says, I'm choosing to make some wise financial decisions. I'm choosing to be a good steward. Why? Because you are not a sum total of what your parents were because you've been given a new spirit that's inside of you. You have a new father and that new father says, I've given you my spirit, my DNA, and now you have the ability to be different. You have the ability to rise above. You have the ability to be responsible because my spirit is living within you. Amen? Amen. Thank you, four of you. You're getting that. (laughs) You see, God wants us to be responsible. I love this quote. Responsibility begins when you stop making excuses and start making changes. Hey, hashtag apple fall or hashtag chip off the old block. That's a lie from the enemy. God's got a new filter that he wants you to put in your life, and that's the word responsibility. You know, I'm honored today to have my daughter Haley here, and she's going to come, and uh, she's going to share the second point with you today. Will you welcome her as she comes, all of you online? This is my daughter Haley. Haley, I love you. Proud to have you up here. I've had my other kids up, and now it's your turn. Why don't you share? All right, so like I said, I'm Haley. I am the second oldest. Um, And I just want to say I love my family, but a couple weeks ago when we started, Tanner was saying that he's the favorite. Macy was talking about how she's the wisest. Hudson went on to say how he loves pie. And, (laughs) I mean, obviously they saved the best for last. So, with that, um, let's get into this. Genesis 37, if we could have that up on the screen. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed before mine. If you, are any of you the youngest? Can you raise your hand for me? All right. If you were to tell your older brothers and sisters, you're going to bow down before me, what would they do? I don't think they would like you very much. Either they'd laugh in your face or they'd slap you in the face. <laughs> One of those. All right, so, so then his brothers respond saying, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Let's remember that and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it, not being very wise yet again. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed before me. This time, he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph... His father wondered what the dreams meant. I think it's funny, this line, because it says, it shows the different sides of when we have a dream, the people that support us and the people that, that are um, questioning and making sure it's the right move um, or maybe the right thing, kind of the right idea. 
But what we can tell um, from Joseph in the story is that the way he talked about it, he struggled with a little bit of pride in him. Um, I think anybody can see that from reading that passage. So the filter that we're going to go over um, is pride goes before the fall. Hashtag pride goes before the fall. If you're writing down notes, please take that down. Um, and this comes from Proverbs 16:18. It talks about this idea how, about pride coming before the fall. So what we can see from Joseph is that his pride, it created an opportunity for dysfunction with his brothers. It gave them a reason to hold a grudge. It gave them a reason to be jealous, to be angry, to have hatred because of the favoritism or because of the dream that he had. And it says that they hated him for his dreams, but also the way he talked about him. And I'm going to tell you this, if you haven't known already, you can tell what's in a person's heart by the way that they speak. It says in Matthew 12, 34, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. So if you're struggling with pride, it's going to come out in the way you talk. If you're struggling with bitterness, it's going to come out in the way you talk. So I'm... My question for you today is could our pride, the pride that we have, be creating an opportunity for the enemy to walk into our homes? Can it be creating an opportunity for him to create dysfunction, to create problems and disruption in our homes? Maybe today pride is stopping you from receiving wisdom from a parent. Maybe today, pride is creating division between you and a family member, maybe a sibling or an aunt or an uncle. And maybe pride is what's stopping you from forgiving or apologizing to a loved one. Or to a loved one. But I believe that today, with this idea, I know it's a little heavy, so bear with me. Um, because no one likes to be talk, talked about pride. I mean, no one. Um, but I believe that today, God is wanting to show us something through the story of Joseph and the story of his brothers, how pride, how we can address pride and bring change to it. Because God wants to do that. He wants to bring change in our hearts. The reason why he shows us things that we do wrong isn't so we can laugh in our fates. It's so we can bring correction to them. So today, we want to... Um, we want to really deal with this issue. But a lot of the time, we deal with the fruit and not the root. Can we have that up on the screen? We deal with the fruit and not the root. And what I mean by that is sometimes we will notice that we're starting to be prideful. So we try and change. We try and change the way we, way, way we talk. But a lot of the time, we don't deal with the root. The root of it is what we need to deal with. And the root is insecurity. The root can be fear even. Maybe if you're having a problem forgiving somebody, it's fear that's stopping you from forgiving that person. But today we're going to deal with this issue. So, but I have a quick quote for you. It says, no one in history has ever choked to death from swallowing his pride. <laughs> so it's really hard to swallow, but you won't die from it. And what, what I think is funny is... Um, is Joseph, the hashtag is pride goes before the fall. In his case, it literally happened <laughs> because he fell into a hole that his brothers pushed him into, you know. So pride, let's learn from this. Let's not fall into a hole, people. Um, but so what we're going to do today is 1 Peter 5.5. 5. We're going to read on the screen, and I want you guys to help me out a little bit. I'll point to 
a word, and I want you to repeat it after me. So all of you, dress yourselves in humility, humility, as you relate to one another. For God uh, opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. All right, I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So, because um, he just makes it so cool. Um, Dad, don't get... Don't let that go to your head. Um, <laughs> but okay, so what we can take from this is that we need to dress in humility. So how do we dress in humility? Well, the first idea is to talk less and listen more. That's a tough one sometimes for us ladies. I talk a lot of the time, but my grandpa, he is um, he's a man of few words. And... Uh, on my mom's side, but whenever he speaks and he tells me he loves me, it means so much more. So maybe it's time for us to change the way that we're talking, because when we talk about ourselves, when we're talking about our lives, it's easy for us to gloat and brag. So maybe we change that, and we just um, ask somebody how they're doing for once and see what's going on in their lives instead of talking about ourselves. So the first idea, talk less and listen more. The next one is going to be brag about somebody else. Maybe it's time to brag about a brother and sister in Christ. When's the last time that you said, wow, I am so proud of you for where you came from? I'm so proud of you for bringing change to your lives. When is the last time that you bragged about a sibling? I can say that yesterday I bragged about a sibling. Um, my brother Tanner, his, he's been considering Azusa Pacific University as a school. And um, one of my friends goes there, so I was visiting her, and I was hanging out with her friends. So, of course, naturally, I start talking about my brother and telling how incredible he is because he's just the best thing ever. And because um, he's super talented and can do this and this and that, I could list off everything, and he'd be like, whoa. Um, but, <laughs> but beyond that, I was, but this is me taking not a moment to talk about myself, but to brag about somebody else. And then the third idea this is my favorite. Brag about your weaknesses. What do I mean by this? I'm not saying tell everybody that you are a horrible and terrible person. <laughs> no, this is saying, this comes from the idea in 2 Corinthians 11.30. If we could have that up on the screen. If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. Why do we do this? It's because we're bringing glory to God. We're not focusing on ourselves because when we focus on ourselves, it takes the focus off of God and redirects it to us. And that's not the way it was tended. We have no reason to carry pride. We have no reason to be prideful because we have not done anything. We have not done anything. It's all about what God has done in us. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 this is actually one of my favorite verses. Um, I memorized the first half, so I'll say that one. But then I'll look at the screen for the other one. Um, <laughs> just had to double check. <laughs> um, all right. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in 
the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Often we know that last line, but my favorite part is when it says, that's why I take pleasure in the weaknesses and in my insults and the hardships, the persecutions and troubles. We need to brag about our weaknesses because it's nothing that we can achieve on our own. We can't achieve greatness on our own. Because that's not greatness. God's glory and God's grace into our lives is what creates influence, what gives us opportunities in our jobs and in our lives and in our families. It's not about us, and it was never about us. And what we can learn from Joseph's story, he had a 17-year-long pride test, per se. So let's not have that happen to us, people. Let's learn from it today. And here's the thing with God, he will never give you a test that you will fail because he's going to walk with you through it every step of the way. And he will let you take it over and over and over and over and over and over again until you pass it. So let's learn from that today and let's pass this pride test. Let's get this filter off of us. Welcome my dad up to the stage. Haley, awesome. Joseph struggled with pride. You could hear it in his language. In fact, his dreams, all he talked about was, I'm going to rule over you. When really the destiny for his life was not for him to rule over his brothers. It wasn't about that. It was for him to be positioned to help save the world, to help others. Many times with pride, we get focused on us and what we can do and what we're doing and what you're doing rather than realizing God has something greater that can help others. So we want to encourage you today, don't let the filter of chip off the old block stay in your life. Don't let the filter of pride goes before the fall, where now you're looking at somebody else in your family and the the things they're doing, and if they were a good person, or if they really were a Christian, they wouldn't talk like that, they wouldn't live like that. And we begin to look and judge, and we begin to become prideful, and then we end up going into pits, we end up going into slavery, we end up being falsely accused, we end up in prison, taking the test over and over and over and over again. Aren't you glad that God gives us a chance to retake the test? And that eventually his will can be done. Man plans his steps, but God orders his way. God can work his will in your life. I want to give you the last point. But before I do, I want to share with you this verse. As we come to the end of our story, here's the thing we need to understand. Joseph goes to Egypt. And while he's there, he eventually passes the tests that are before him. And he becomes the second in command of Egypt. The world is struggling with famine. Everyone needs food. And they, because he's interpreted the dream of Pharaoh, they've stored enough food to, to save the world, basically. And his brothers come. And when his brothers come, Joseph's faced with another test. And the test is this. Am I going to forgive them? Or am I going to become bitter against them and take revenge against them? Well, we know in the story that he does forgive his brothers. He forgives them, and he even says this. He said, what you meant for harm, God was using for good. When you sent me off to do harm to me, God was positioning me to save you and our family. So come and get food. And eventually the whole family moves to the land of Egypt. While they're there, Jacob, his dad, comes. They're reunited. And before Jacob dies, he has an opportunity to pray for his children. And he talks to his son, Joseph. And here's what he says. He says, Joseph... Your two boys that were born here in Egypt to a woman from Egypt, these two Gentile boys, 
Remember, if you're Jewish, you're of Jewish descent. If you're a Gentile, you're of non-Jewish descent. He says, these two Gentile boys, I want to make them part of my family. They're going to be my boys. And I want to bless them. And so he puts his hands out. He's almost blind. And he's about to pray for the boys. And he crosses his hands. And he ends up blessing with his right hand, which is the double portion blessing. He blesses the younger son, Ephraim. And with his left hand, he blesses the older son. Just like happened really with Jacob and Esau, remember? And this is what we find the story, Genesis 48, verse 14. Here's what the scripture says. Let's pull this up, guys. But Jacob crossed his arms as he reached out to lay his hands on the boys' heads. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May God... Bless these boys. May they preserve my name and the names of Abraham and Isaac. And may their descendants multiply greatly throughout the earth. I want to give you the last point. You ready? This is the thing I think God wants us to bring into our home. And that's simply this. Hashtag reverse the curse. Hashtag reverse the curse. I want the worship team to come. And as they're coming, here's what we discovered. We had a set of brothers, Jacob and Esau. One brother chose not to forgive. He hated Jacob because he'd stolen the birthright. And because he wouldn't really forgive, because he tried to to get the blessing again, remember, from his father Isaac, he ended up not being blessed at all. In fact, he received a curse. Remember that? He said, you're going to be distant from your family and there's going to be problems between you and the family and you're going to live in another land. He received a curse rather than the blessing because he wouldn't forgive. And now we have another set of brothers and this is Joseph and his brothers, but what did he choose to do? He chose to forgive. Rather than being someone who was prideful, rather than being someone who said, I'm a chip off the old block and we just hold grudges and we just deal with stuff like that. Instead, he decided to forgive and watch what happens. God reversed the curse. I think the switching of the arms is a symbol or a statement, a statement that God can now take two boys who were not supposed to be included in the line of the the, the plan of Abraham Two Gentiles who were far off. That God was saying, listen, if you can be a person who can forgive, if you can be a person who doesn't live with the filters of this world, I can turn the situation around. I can bring you in. Not only can I bless you and make you in charge of all of Egypt, and not only can I bless you and give you land, not only that, but I can take your sons who were far off, and I can bring them in, and I can include them in the 12 tribes of Israel. Do you realize that Ephraim and Manasseh, these Gentile boys, from Egypt became part of the 12 tribes of Israel Israel, that were given land in the promised land. They were included in the heritage. They carried on the promise. They carried on the name of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Ephraim and Manasseh. They were included in the promise. God, because someone was willing to forgive, someone was willing to humble their heart, someone was willing to be responsible. Here's what God said. Now I'm going to turn your trial into a triumph. I'm going to turn your mess into a message. I'm going to reverse the curse.